Welcome to the Stereoactive Movie Club. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm here with Alicia, Laura, Mia, and Steven. And we're going to be picking the next round of movies we'll be discussing on the podcast. But first, let's hear from everyone about one movie or maybe something else they've watched recently that they want to talk about here. Laura? I watched Day Shift, the Jamie Foxx Netflix movie. How was it? It was fun. I think, you know, something about Los Angeles and vampires is inherently intriguing. They shot it in a very, it's like, it's like a new kind of Instagram movie, I think. It's super bleached out, filtered, visually interesting. And, um, you know, the vampires are all extremely um, bendy and loopy and weird. Like, there were some really old tropes that they went with. But then there was a lot of smart stuff, too. So I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> Tentative, it sounds like. Yeah. Steven, how about you? I saw Blowout, which is a 1981 movie. It's with John Travolta, Nancy Allen, John Lithgow, and it was directed by Brian De Palma. Um, I'd never seen it. I've seen a few other De Palma movies. But yeah, at any rate, it was really it was really powerful. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I wondered why I hadn't seen it before. I just never had gotten around to it. But John Travolta is a really good actor in that movie. It's a, kind of a film noir type movie. And it took place, I think, in Philadelphia. So it was it was very gritty for the time. You know, 80s movies always seem a, a little bit more dirty <laughs> whenever you watch them. Mm-hmm. So um, and it also made it look because he was a sound he was a sound editor for horror movies or movies in general that were kind of B movies. And they showed the process of him like editing film together with with sound. And so he made it look really compelling. So even his acting doing this, this is John Travolta's character was just really, really fun to watch. And there was just a lot of different types of I, I felt like he was experimenting a little bit with some of the shots that he was using because there was consistency in it, but there was just a lot of things where there was, you know, showing like focus differences or split screens or, you know, bird's eye view of things. And it was just, yeah, I just really liked it a lot. I don't know if anybody else has seen that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, you'd think, you know, obviously if you see the original, it wouldn't compare, but I think it's such a separate film. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It's really good. Yeah, I've never seen Blow Out. I've seen Blow Up, the original right. that Laura was referring to from the 60s, where it's photography instead of sound. Um, mm-hmm. That movie is Antonioni, which we've watched mm-hmm. one of his movies here on the podcast. I wasn't a huge fan of it when I watched it in like high school or whatever. Um, might appreciate it more now, who knows. But then also mm-hmm. The Conversation by Coppola from 74 mm-hmm. is... Another remake of Blow Up that is sound based instead of photography. And then, so, and I think that's actually before Blow Out because Blow Out was what, what did you say, 79 or something? 81. 81. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's weird that there's this like, uh, these three movies that are basically the same concept. Um, and I mean, I guess it's not that weird because it's like those two guys were probably like heavily into Antonioni. Um, just, Probably. Yeah. I think De Palma is kind of underrated yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, like Carlito's way. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Scarface, not as underrated. People talk about that. But right. I think it's cool that you watch that, Stephen. Yeah. And- I, I think that movie's been getting a lot more attention in the last year or two. I've, I've, so I wonder if it's just become more available or something. I've, I've heard other people talk about it on movie podcasts out of the blue. Hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah, it is fully available, I think, on like HBO Max and Hulu and I saw it on Canopy. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it is probably one of those movies that people meant to see and then it's just available, like you said. Right. And Mia. 
So I started watching Severance this week. Has anyone else watched that? It's on Apple TV. No, no but okay. I hear great things. Yeah. yeah, I'd heard really good things about it, and I had been a little like, oh, okay, so people go to work, and they don't have their memories of home, and then they go home, and they don't have their memories of work. And I was like, that doesn't sound that terrible. Like, I wouldn't mind just not thinking about work <laughs> half the time or going to work and being able to focus and not being distracted. But surprise, it's terrible. Um, so, but yeah, so far it's really good. I think I've watched – three episodes um i also didn't realize that it's directed by ben stiller but it is so that was interesting i recommend he's it. directed all episodes or yeah. is he like- all so far wow. i don't know yeah he did another show a couple years before that one um escape from danny mora or something like the title was something hmm. like that um that people liked but yeah he's he's kind of like on a prestige tv kick the last couple of years. Is Adam Scott, that's the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting seeing him. I feel like he usually plays like, you know, the guy next door, kind of funny, like nerdy-ish kind of dude or whatever. But this is, at least from what I've seen him in, like a totally different role for him. Um, so it's just cool seeing him stretch his range like that and seeing him as this kind of uh, troubled, creepy mystery dude so far but they're still kind of in the stage of like laying things out giving you teasers but you can't really put it all together yet so tbd on what happens with him that is not what i thought you were going to talk about i thought you were going to talk about about? the rehearsal um which we have been watching week by week as it comes out on hbo max that is the new soon to be complete show from nathan fielder who you might know from nathan for you which was a comedy central kind of cult hit and that we really loved and the rehearsal is bat shit. Um, it's really fun to watch, but also sometimes very stressful and intense. And I just can never guess where it's going. And it raises all sorts of questions about the ethics of what he's doing and um, all sorts of stuff. And it's just like kind of taking the whole like Andy Kaufman style of, performance art comedy to like this whole other meta level which is i find entertaining but still i just want to know what hbo's budget is for his show because it's insane i mean i know they like made game of thrones which probably has like a you know 10 million dollar an episode budget or something like that but just the stuff they do for this like weird little show is kind of nuts so yeah and and without giving it away but as a kind of a teaser of what that is, um, if you are a fan of Charlie Kaufman's Synecdoche, New York, you would be into this. So it's surrealist? I would say it borders on surreal. Um, yeah. Definitely. But uh, it's kind of mind-bending is, is what Got I would it. say. Yeah. They build a replica of Alligator Lounge. Let me just say that. Like an exact replica, if that also is a teaser The one in New all. York? The one from the one in Brooklyn? Yeah. 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 And wow. a Raisin Cane chicken place. <laughs> and a Raisin Cane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I wasn't going to give that away, but <laughs> um, Alicia, your turn. <laughs> I forgot, but I actually did watch a movie. I was going to talk about a TV show, but I did watch a movie over the on Friday. I watched um, A League of Their Own from 1992. Um, which I've seen a million times and I love. And they're doing a new um, 
TV series version of it. So I wanted to go back and watch the original again. So that's what I did. <laughs> nice. So for those who may not have listened to the show before, this is a podcast where the five of us are discussing movies that have appeared on Sight and Sound Magazine's poll of the greatest movies ever made that comes out every 10 years. The next poll will be out sometime this year in 2022, so we're basically trying to watch some of the movies from past polls before the new one is out. And since we just finished watching our fourth round of movies, it's now time for us to pick our fifth round. And we're actually going to be doing something new this time as well, which we'll explain in just a little bit. But first, uh, why don't we go ahead and look back at round four. And here's a question for everybody. And, and just as a reminder, the movies that we watched in round four were, were Hiroshima, Mon Amour, The Rules of the Game, Persona, Doctor Strangelove, and Pather Panchali. Uh, so now, if you had the power to ensure that one of our round four movies will be on the 2022 Sight and Sound poll... Which would you pick? And why don't we start with Steven? Um, I would pick Pather Panchali because um, there's not a lot of Indian movies, or I think this might be the only one that's on the list that we're reviewing now. Um, and, and plus, I just feel like more people should see it. And I know Alicia had mentioned that in our recording before that it's just, uh, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. And I feel like it, it deserves another shot at being on the list for those reasons. All right, Alicia. Um, I was really going back and forth between also between Pether Panchali and um, what my favorite movie from the whole list so far that we've done, which was Hiroshima Mon Amour. Um, but if Steven's keeping Pether Panchali, then I'll keep Hiroshima Mon Amour. <laughs> I really loved it. I was like devastated, but also, um, yeah, just loved it. Didn't you have something else you wanted to say? Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, I totally forgot. Yeah, well, if we could take if we could take one off the list, I think I would take off the rules of the game. Um, right. It just didn't uh, resonate for me at all, so that'd be my drop. There you go to make way for something post nineteen eighty. <laughs> and Laura, how about you? Well, I I think it's it's that like I couldn't take Hiroshima more no more or Persona or Pather Panchali off. I wouldn't. I know it's like I'm only supposed to choose one. I would just take the rules of the game off. Um, I think those three films have influenced filmmaking in so many different ways that they can't be it can't be undone. So I'm gonna not answer your question and just say yeah. Well, I do want to point out that maybe this helps you answer the question. The, okay. the question isn't like that only one movie can go on the list. It's that you have the power to ensure one movie goes on the oh, list. Oh, okay. So. All right. Okay. Well then, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Choose. I'm just, uh, just throwing it out one. there that, that if that makes it a little easier. Well, I guess I would have to say Persona for all that I gave it a Whoa. hard time. Wow. A, a, a very welcome hard time. It's <laughs> wow. still a really important film. Ah, I'm surprised. Uh, well, Mia, how about you? Because I was sick, I did not watch Hiroshima Monomore or The Rules of the Game, but I am planning on going back. For me, it's between Dr. Strangelove and Pather Panchali. I agree with what Steven's saying. Like, there's so few films outside of like America or Europe on the list. So I want to keep Pather Panchali for that. And I also think it's just an incredible film and more people should see it. 
But then also Dr. Strangelove is so good and so funny and so influential and there's not a lot of comedies on the list. Um, I think I'm going to land on Pather Panchali though. Yeah, I'm also going Pather Panchali and it's for some of the reasons y'all have laid out, Stephen and Mia. And it was between that and Hiroshima Monomore for me as well, Alicia. Um, But I I think in the end that Pather Panchali is something that isn't on the list otherwise. There are, are other French films. There are perhaps there. There's a lot of other new wave films, even that you could pick from uh, to to represent that uh, type of filmmaking. But I, I feel like Panther Panchali, like I said, brings something to the list that that deserves to be there and wouldn't be there without it. Um, unfortunately, I, that doesn't mean that there aren't other Indian films um, out there that probably deserve to be on this list, but. Um, I don't know them yet and that's on me. And the question is about these five movies, which would you keep on? So I, I would go with Panther Pinchali. And this, it, like I said, in the last episode, it's also the, one of the most recent movies that when I saw it as an adult, I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And that just is such a rare thing that like, I kind of cherish that. And I kind of had almost, I had a pretty similar experience actually with, Hiroshima Monomora. So if you were asking me this question on my second watch of that movie, instead of my first watch, it might be that, but it's not. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, all right. So it's time to pick which movies we'll be watching for round five of the podcast. And this time we're going to be watching seven movies instead of our usual five. And we will explain those extra two picks as we get to them. Uh, So when we first started the podcast, Mia picked first because she'd seen the fewest on the list. Then Steven picked for first in our second round because he'd seen the second fewest, then Laura, then Alicia. And so now it's my turn to pick first. So my pick is Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. It's uh, from 1927, directed by F.W. Murnau. Um, and it is Murnau's first film made in America after it came here from Germany. Of course, he's like a famed German expressionist director maybe best known other than this movie for like Nosferatu I believe um and I wanted to watch it because it's a real blind spot for me it's uh, it's one of those movies I've heard of forever and just have never gotten around to seeing and it is also the highest ranked movie from the 2012 critics poll that we haven't watched yet um so I thought that that was a good uh qualification here um that I wanted to honor i guess um so that means we loop back around and it's mia's turn to pick cool sweet i'm excited i've been wanting to watch that movie so my pick is the grapes of wrath um which i have seen before and love and i'm excited to talk about it to watch it and talk about it on the podcast and like get into it a bit more. Um, It was released in 1940 and directed by John Ford, starring Henry Fonda, and obviously is also a book as well. Okay. And Stephen? Yeah, actually, that was the one that I was going to pick. So I'm actually glad that you you picked that one. Um, I, I was sold on it after I saw the preview on YouTube that was like everybody was trying to buy the Grapes of Wrath, but they were sold out when they were at the bookstores. I thought that was really oh. kind of... Oh, that's yeah, funny. I need to movie. watch that. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Sweet. Um, 
But the movie that I had as backup was Pierrot Le Fou, which is a 1965 movie by Jean-Luc Godard. Um, I've never seen a Godard film before, so I thought I would uh, I would pick that one. And plus, I, I do try to see the previews if there is available one like somewhere online. And it just looked really colorful and entertaining. So I thought I would pick that one. All right. And Laura? We're going to watch Raging Bull, guys. Yeah, nice. <laughs> 1980. Finally. Doing it. The most recent movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it. All right. Raging Bull. Um, okay. And Alicia. All right. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm going with Apocalypse now. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's one of the most well-known films out there, and I've never watched the whole way through. Um, it's 1979, American epic psychological war film, um, <laughs> directed and produced by Francis Ford Coppola. Um, that was straight from Wikipedia, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a great movie. It's a long movie. <laughs> we might have to Almost. talk about which cut we're going to watch. Um, Ooh, yeah, we can ask that too. Point. So yeah, we'll let people know which it. version we're going to watch um, as it comes around, just so if anybody wants to watch along with us and uh, be talking or listening to our conversation and knowing what we were watching, um, that would be useful. Okay, so... We said we're going to watch seven movies this round, so here's what we're doing for those final two. As we've discussed in the past on the show, the movies on the Sight and Sound Critics and Directors polls skew older in terms of when they were released. The most recent movie to appear in the top 10 or as a direct runner-up in any of the critics or directors polls is Raging Bull, which Laura just picked, and which was, of course, released in 1980, as she just told us. But since I began really paying attention to the list back in 2002, there's always been speculation in advance about which newer movies might actually break through and find themselves in the top 10. I assume that was likely the case as well back in 1992 and every one of the times the list came out before that. And it's also, of course, the case now ahead of the 2022 list being revealed. So with that in mind, we decided to go ahead and pick some movies released since 1980 that we think deserve to be on the list. And this time, Laura and I will each pick a movie, and other people will pick movies in our next round of the podcast. So, Laura, what is your pick, and why are you picking it? I thought a lot about this, and I wasn't sure I was going to go before you, so I have some backups <laughs> but since I'm here. Um, you know, I did. obviously it was interesting to see the, ca- the calibration from previous polls, um, but I I feel like this film is important enough that it should be on it. It's from 2017. It's Get Out um, by Jordan Peele. Yes. I think that that should be on the Sight and Sound poll. Absolutely. Great call. Okay. Um, has, well, wait, sorry. Can, has everyone seen that, or has no has anyone not seen it before? seen it i think we've all seen, seen, it, it. seen it yeah seen it. okay i, I think i saw it with you and jeremiah i think yeah. so i mean yeah. and just to talk about why aside from it just being incredibly smart incredibly just a, just a well done movie it's from a filmmaker who who you can tell loves movies and mm-hmm. the history of movies and each shot is sort of an homage to a different thing and um it's just it's just an incredible film and i i saw something the other day that Jordan Peele is one of, I don't think the first, but one of the first filmmakers whose first three movies 
have grossed over a hundred million dollars. Um, so wow. he's very successful at what he's doing. I'm so jealous by that. Should <laughs> I just be like happy? I'm <laughs> like, fuck, man. Uh, I think it's impressive. <laughs> um, okay, so my pick is going to be. Um, well, first of all, I, I want to say that like I. I decided to give myself extra criteria, and I'm not sure if you did this too, Laura, but you fell into my criteria anyway. I decided I also wanted to pick a movie that had come out since the last poll. So something that obviously had no chance of being on the last poll because it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something that is, to me, so good and is such an artistic and filmmaking achievement that I really think it deserves at least to be in the conversation about uh, mm-hmm. being on, on the top 10 of, of the 2022 poll. And I would be surprised if it's not at least on the long list. And that is the 2014 film Boyhood by Richard Linkletter, um, which I know is not necessarily everyone's favorite movie. But like I said, the, the achievement of what he accomplished with with that, of the way he shot it over 12 years is probably everybody listening to this knows a little bit each year to, to show the actual growth of all the characters showing actual aging and using that as almost a special effect, which sounds cliche and was probably in a million reviews when the movie came out. Um, but it's, it's super effective. Um, beyond that, I think it's, it's a touching movie. I, I have personal feelings about the movie because it's about a kid growing up, moving around Texas and like feeling sort of like, unattached to the world around him, which is, I didn't go through the exact same circumstances as him, but I had a version of that moving around Texas with my family as my dad got transferred to different jobs and stuff. Uh, So there was a lot in the movie that really spoke to me and I connected with um, beyond the amazing (laughs) thing that Linkletter pulled off with the way he made that movie. Um, And I, I think it's the type of thing that, that, critics and directors recognize as an important achievement. Um, so I'd be surprised, like I said, if it's not like at least on the longer list, we'll see if it sneaks into the top 10 later this year. So, and, well, you and know, I, I've never seen that. So I'm oh, you excited. Haven't? Okay, no, and great. But slacker is one of like an extremely important film for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I do want to, I, I want to point out, like I mentioned it in the Pedro Panchali episode but I, I think that like this movie particularly of link letters is like kind of a distillation of his fascination with with time and aging um something that he did in the before trilogy in a different way and something that i think is connected to what uh rye did with with the apu trilogy and what Truffaut did with with his series of movies so i think that it would be silly not to think like link letter should be in conversation because he's done that whole thing um well i mean to to my to your point slacker is another thing obsessed Mm -hmm. with time it's a real time meandering film which is another experiment that was very successful totally true yeah um and i do want to tell people that um in prep preparing for this i put together a list of all the movies that had been in the that were in the top 100 of either the critics poll or the director's poll from sight and sound in 2012. Cause I, I imagine that those are some of the movies that probably have 
the greatest chance of maybe inching into the top 10 this year. Um, if anything gets pushed out from it from last time, um, to make room. Um, and I'm not going to read through them all here, but, uh, I will put that in the show notes for the, for the episode. And maybe we'll post that in our Facebook group for people to take a look at. Um, how about I mention just the first and the last one, just to give people a sense that, so as we said, the most recent movie to ever appear in any of the top tens or as a runner up was 1980s raging bull. The next one, well, the shining was, has been in the top 100 as well, which was the same year. But then after that is blade runner in 1982. And the most recent movie was there will be blood in 2007, um, which is only five years before the last poll. So that's not too shabby there. Um, so those are our picks again. They are sunrise, a song of two humans, grapes of wrath, Piero Lafoe, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, Raging Bull, Apocalypse Now, Get Out, and Boyhood. So that's it for this episode of the Stereoactive Movie Club. We invite you to join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Stereoactive Movie Club. You can also email us at stereoactivemovieclub at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to the show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please do rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. It helps others to find the show. Also, you can get updates about the show by following Stereoactive Media on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.